Ace and Switch Podcast. We discuss all things sports and debate. I'm Ace. And I'm Switch. And today, we have a packed episode for you. Switch, we received a whole lot of music to talk about on today's podcast. When you consider this, it's NFL Wild Card Week, and many teams just wrapped up their seasons and now are making a lot of front office moves. It makes sense, but I don't know where to start. But first, let's start with Monday's CFP National Championship game between Michigan and Washington. Contrary to both of our picks, Michigan thumped Washington and Michael Penix Jr., showing how good of a team they really were. Well, Ace, I made the grave mistake of once again underestimating how good of a defense Michigan really had because in a rare game, Michael Penix Jr. looked under duress against their pass rush, and that significantly slowed down Washington's offense production. All you have to do is watch the end of that game and see how beat up and flustered Penix was by the mark of Michigan's defense. And while this championship might be considered tainted by some, and by some I mean Ohio State fans, Michigan was... From the start of the season to the end of the season, scandals aside, the best team in college football. Agree. It's good for Jim Harbaugh that his entire Michigan tenure won't be viewed in a negative light, even if he leaves after this season. Alright, let's quit the many fighting, parting of ways, and tirements that have happened across college football and professional football. First, the Atlanta Falcons and Washington Commanders were each swift in shedding off their coaches as the Falcons fired Arthur Smith and the Commanders fired Ron Rivera. Well, both were blatant firings that had to be made. Smith was never truly able to get the most out of the Falcons' offense. They had drafted pretty good skill position players like Kyle Pitts and Benjamin Robinson, and his job security certainly wasn't boosted by the way he reacted to Dennis Allen at the end of the matchup between the Falcons and Saints. Everybody also knew Ron Rivera was likely out of the door as he had attained way too much control over that organization as a coach and general manager to have a few underwhelming seasons. With the Eagles and Cowboys and the respectable New York Giants in the same division, it was clear the commanders weren't going anywhere with Ron Rivera as their coach and general manager. A more surprising fire happened on Tuesday with Mike Rabel parting ways with the Tennessee Titans. Rabel being kicked off launched expected exodus of players being loaded off from the Titans, including Derrick Henry. Boys, I think the Titans wanted an overall refresh from this past era. Tennessee has never been exactly bad, but they've obviously never gone deep to the Super Bowl and had a championship team despite having a fantastic running back in Derrick Henry. Much of this is roster construction as it's hard to win without a franchise quarterback. And in that sense, Mike Vrabel certainly overachieved as Titans head coach. But it seems like Tennessee wanted something more. I think they'll move on with the new era with Will Levis and probably hire an offensive coach rather than a more defense-oriented guy in Vrabel. I'm very sure that Vrabel, though, will get another job with his acumen, coaching, and respect he has across the NFL. Then on Wednesday, in the NFL and college football, another surprising coaching change happened. Let's begin with the Seattle Seahawks, who parted ways with Pete Carroll, who won a Super Bowl with them and enjoyed some success in the Russell Wilson era, and even beyond it. What's your take on this, Wish? I think the reason the Seahawks fired Carroll is basically the same thing as with the Titans. 
I feel like it's possible Seattle simply wanted to move in a different direction and didn't think Carroll as their head coach would get them anywhere after a super rough second half of the season. Massive respect to him, though. Even though his legacy will be tainted by what happened in the Super Bowl against New England, he was a great leader in Seattle, great head coach, and it was surprising that Seahawks fired him after what was a winning season. Then on Thursday, Bill Belichick and the Patriots parted ways Something that was expected, but still very meaningful considering Belichick's success with the organization. The Patriots then hired linebackers coach Jared Mayo, who played under Belichick and now will succeed him. Well, I think the parting of ways benefits both sides. Belichick is in the same way in New England as he was with Tom Brady and probably needs a new change of scenery with an established quarterback rather than the situation he had with Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi. For New England, Belichick is probably getting too old for them to enter a new era, and hiring Mayo, now the youngest coach in the league who relate to some of the players, is a great long-term move, especially now draft assets to improve their roster. And finally, let's go to college football to discuss the departure of one of the greatest college football coaches ever, probably the greatest, Nick Saban. After 17 years at Alabama, he decided to retire. This is a great move for him, obviously, but it left Alabama in a bit of a difficult state. Recruits started to walk back their commitments, and incumbent players started to declare for the NFL draft, and questions were swirling on who would even want to take the Alabama job and replace Nick Saban. Answer is Washington head coach Kalen DeBoer, who took the job after only a few days. What's your reaction to this hire, Swish? Well, I don't believe many human beings would be completely excited about having to follow up Nick Saban, considering the expectations the Alabama football program has each and every season. The fact that DeBoer took the job so quickly, with palpable eagerness and being Able to replace Nick Saban is a good sign he's not afraid of the year-to-year expectations that come with being Alabama's head football coach. There are still some questions surrounding this hire. One is sample size, as DeBoer has gone from Fresno State's head coach to Alabama's head coach in just four years. And the other is lack of SEC experience. However, considering all the people that backed out of the job, like Oregon coach Dan Lanning, Texas coach Steve Sartesian, Florida State head coach Mike Norvell. This was about the best hire Alabama could get. I agree. It will be intriguing to see how DeBoer manages and rebuilds Alabama's program beginning next season. Let's move on to quickly previewing the NFL wildcard games. Amongst the chatter about Saban, Carroll, Belichick, etc., etc. This discussion has kind of gone under the radar. The playoffs are starting, people. Let's try to preview each of the six wild card games. First, Texans and Browns will kick off the action and it features a rookie quarterback in C.J. Stroud against a veteran quarterback in Joe Flacco. What's your pick for this matchup? Give me the Browns, Ace. The Texans have had great momentum stemming from winning the division to the playoff kind of win over the Colts. And I think, but I think the Browns get them in this game. The Browns have one of the league's best defenses, especially in the past game. And I think their man defense slows down C.J. Stroud. 
And when you throw in the fact Cleveland scored 36 points on the Texans on the Christmas Eve matchup just a few weeks ago, give me Cleveland continuing their win. Give me the Texans. They're young, and they play with a whole lot of energy, and I think that's going to help them. C.J. Stroud is one of the best, the most ready quarterbacks for this kind of situation. And I think he adapts to the Browns' defense early on. Houston also takes notes on their defense, and they have an advantage. They have film on Joe Flacco now, so I think Flacco won't be that good in this game. Fair. As most, fair. As with most playoff matches, this is about even, so it really depends on who you believe more on this kind of stage. All right. What about the Dolphins and Chiefs? Well, I think the Dolphins are dealing with way too many injuries following a tough loss to the Bills, and now they have to go all the way to Kansas City in order to be frigid with wind chills below zero degrees. That alone makes me lean towards the Chiefs, and when you consider Kansas City has some rest after a bit of a self-imposed bye week, and the Dolphins haven't done a great job getting to the quarterback as of late, which gives Patrick Mahomes some comfort in the pocket, give me Kansas City. Hate to say it, Swish, but give me the Chiefs. Well, be ready for them, though, in the divisional playoffs. Speaking of which, what's your pick for the Bills and Steelers? Well, if I were you, Ace, I wouldn't be incredibly confident going up against the Steelers considering the way they played during this final stretch and the fact Mike Tomlin is one of the best coaches in the NFL. Problem is, I question for the Steelers without T.J. Watt, a devastating injury, if they'll be able to give Josh Allen some discomfort. It's possible, though, there are two versions of Allen. One, a clear franchise-level quarterback, and the other looking like a quarterback who has never stepped on an NFL field. Which version shows up on Sunday will play a massive role in this game. But without Watt, I think Pittsburgh's defense takes a slight step back and gives Buffalo an edge in this one. We're going to blow away the Steelers, Swish, no matter what you say. We simply have the more talented roster. Anyway, let's move on to the Packers and Cowboys. Do you see this game being close, Swish? Though a good portion of the country is probably rooting for a Packers upset, I think the Cowboys will win this one handily. The Cowboys have been amazing at home this year with an unblemished record, and I don't think it stops against an inexperienced Packers team with a young quarterback in Jordan Love. Even if Love does show up under the bright lights in Dallas, I don't see him winning the game for the Packers unless the defense shows up. And the defense has been extremely inconsistent this year, giving up 30 points to Carolina just a few weeks ago. So I think Dallas's playmakers, like C.D. Lamb, will be able to torch Green Bay. Agree. I think the Cowboys will sense the pressure of winning this game to keep their jobs and find a way to beat the Packers. Let's move on to the Rams and Lions, which features Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff going at each other following the trade that sent Safford to the Rams and Goff to the Lions. This should be close. What's your pick, Swish? I know the Rams are going to be a popular upset pick this weekend, and they should be. They have a quarterback that has been on fire and is going back to play and is going back to play his former organization. Two deadly receivers in Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua and an improved overall defense as well. However, I think the Lions at least keep this game super close against the Rams here. The Rams' defense isn't great, and I think the Lions' plethora of receiving options can help torch the Rams' secondary 
And they should be able to run against some pretty average, mediocre run defense. On defense, it's going to be more of a battle as the Lions have one of the worst pass defenses in the NFL, and Matthew Stafford will be motivated to try and beat his home team. It would be close, and it really comes down to the separation in rushing yards, in my opinion. Overall, you could pick either team. I think the Rams just have a tiny edge. Passing should be great and likely better than the Lions, and I think they'll produce enough rushing yards to win this game. I've got the Lions switched, but as you said, it could go both ways. I think with home field advantage, the Lions cement themselves against the Rams. Let's move to Monday night's wild card matchup between the Eagles and the Buccaneers. This one is surprisingly tough. The Eagles clearly have more talent to struggle to end the season on a 1-5 record. The Bucks, on the other hand, won five of their last six games and have their confidence with home field advantage heading into this one. Monday's game is going to be super rainy. I don't expect much passing from either team with questions about both quarterbacks' health being asked. At the end of the day, I think Eagles won enough to win a hard-fought, grinding game, and their defense actually shows up, and they leave the concerns about facing the 49ers for next week. Agree. All right, let's wrap up this podcast. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed. Please subscribe and follow on this podcast. Or else. Peace.